On Air Podcast number 39, June 2010 edition, broadcasting outside the studios. You're listening to the On Air Podcast on the web at www.onairpodcast.co.uk, providing material for use by hospital radio stations across the UK. Yeah, hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is the On Air Podcast, the podcast for hospital radio volunteers. My name is Matt Wade. Thank you for downloading and listening to the show. Today, we speak with Nick Beer from West Country Broadcast, Jeff Brown from the BBC World Service and Radio Hillenden, and Tony Wilding from Rugby Hospital Radio. We're talking all about broadcasting outside the studios. So if you'd like to release the tethers of the studio with a summery warm weather coming our way, hopefully, over the long, hot summer, what better way than to get out the studios and broadcast from out and about? You're listening to the On Air Podcast on the web at www.onairpodcast.co.uk. So we've got quite a technically minded podcast for you in this month's episode so you may want to skip through some of it you may want to skip through the whole thing depends if you're technically minded or not and uh, whether or not uh, you like that kind of thing so we are going to be talking all about outside broadcasts and various ways you can do it Uh, we'll be we'll be uh, talking about cheap ways we'll be talking about more expensive ways we start off with Nick Beer, and Nick Beer took some time out from running his business, West Country Broadcast, and uh, I asked him what the most popular system is that he installs around hospital radio stations. The most popular uh, system for remote broadcast that we've encountered, and indeed the type of thing we get most inquiries for, is the Comrex Access, which is obviously not a cheap bit of kit, double-ended, so you've got the field unit, and then you've got the rack's end for the studio. And that, you know, as a pair, you're talking several thousand pounds. But we know a number of, well, we've installed a few. We know a number of hospital stations that are using it. The common link, and this is where the help with paying for it comes from, is that they are usually using it in association with a local football club. So they carry weekly commentaries. And so... You know, there's some money being found either via the football club or uh, Lions Club or something to enable them to do this. And they buy the kit so that, uh, you know, they take it to all the the, lo- the home matches and um, plug it in and use it back to the studio. That kit has got flexibility in that it can use uh, ISDN, as you'd expect, although very few people use that now. Um, POTS, normal telephone line. And you can get some really quite good audio quality over that using the compression algorithms built in. Um, Or, as is increasingly uh, used, IP. Awful lot of football grounds provide IP connections now or internet connections. So as long as you've got an internet connection at the um, studio end, you're away. The other system that uh, it allows you to use is GSM, mobile phones. And uh, again, that's got some some flexibility although i know of at least one uh, football league ground where there is no mobile signal on any network which kind of causes a problem um but as i say all of these things are a relatively expensive way of doing things they're getting the most out of the technology as i say they do get really quite good quality out of mobile networks and out of um plain old phone system but you have to pay a premium for it 
Comrex is not the only brand out there. It's the most popular in our experience, certainly in the hospital radio community. But you've got other vendors like um, Prodis, who we also sell. Tyline, Australian company. Again, the, the Tyline kit um, is, is quite nice. Um, it's quite competitively priced. The only feedback we've had on that is that when interoperating with other brands of equipment, so for example, you took your remote unit out somewhere and then tried to dial into uh, an ISDN codec at, a, at another radio station that wasn't Tyline, that there are some issues with um, them negotiating and working happily. Um, but other than that, it seems to be pretty good kit. Um, Tyline in the UK is available through Preco. So that's the kind of double-ended, dedicated to the job hardware options. But that's also the most expensive way of doing it. And and with the with the kit, do you tend to put the unit in the in the each studio, or just in? Uh, would you, would you be able to get away with just obviously one in the rack and then some? Well, obviously, leads? in a completely flexible world and in a high productivity world, you would need one for each studio. But, of course, that just makes the cost ridiculous. And, and generally speaking, a huge percentage of the time, neither or any studio would be using it. So what we tend to do is put one unit in the racks, DA the audio outs to faders in each of the studios, which is the relatively simple bit. But what you've then got to consider is the input to the codec is a clean feed, of course. Mm. So we put a clean feed switch. So we feed a clean feed from each studio into the switch in racks, the output of the switch obviously into the codec and then that gives you the flexibility that either or any studio can use the codec as if it were in the studio with full two-way comms as long as they go in and select their own studio on the switch before they start okay so you know there's a lot of ways of doing that we've made up switches on one u panels if you want something that could be remotely controlled from a studio or that uh, has many, many inputs. Uh, the SOMFX Redbox, the RBSS10, is another popular one. We use that on a lot of commercial stations. The switch itself, you know, the box is about 400 quid, um, plus the VAT. So we can make you up a, a two-studio switch a lot cheaper than that. But, like I say, if you need uh, remote control of it, it's a good box because it's got GPIO. So not only can you select your studio from the studio, but you can also get lights on GPOs to indicate that you are selected and all that kind of thing. Right. And with the um, – let's talk about this this Comrex box. Mm-hmm. They, they do um, a variety of boxes. Do they one that is sort of rack-mounted for, for your rack, and then yeah. do they do a smaller sort of portable? They do. The Access has a rack-mounted unit. Not an awful lot to say about it. Mm-hmm. It's an anonymous rack-mounted unit. I mean, anonymous is quite a sexy box for a rack-mounted box, but, you know, these things are all much of a muchness. Um, It does have um, a keyboard, mouse, and monitor interface, and it runs its own software. So you can hook those devices up to it in the rack's room and use an on-screen phone book and that kind of thing, which is quite nice. The field unit is available with a, a few different configurations. So the basic thing looks like a handheld, what it always reminds me of is a handheld labeler. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a relatively compact unit. You've then got the um, sidecar option, which introduces um, 
again, it's a, it's a curvy little thing, um, but it just bolts on the side, and it gives you um, like a little mixer. Okay. So you can feed in some local sources. And what that also gives you is um, some proper socketry for it. Right. Because the, the handheld unit, by its nature of its size and, and, and being very compact, doesn't have XLRs on it. But when you add the sidecar, it does. Then to that, you can add a card to give it GSM, for example, which is not standard. So, yeah, it, it's available in a variety of guises. So, so when you buy it off the shelf, what can what can it do straight away? The field unit. Actually, I'd have to check, but I think it's pots. Okay, so it has a, a little pots, and the IP module is is an extra thingy. The, yeah, the GSM certainly is. I've got a feeling IP may be built in, but I, I'll just check that for you. Sure, no problem. And price-wise, uh, are they? Is the field unit cheaper than the rack unit, or no, the other all... way around? Okay, and 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 what sort of price are we talking? Again, always check before you decide it's too expensive or whatever, or commit anybody on price. But nominally, you're talking around two and a half thousand for the portable, and two thousand. No, sorry, three thousand for the portable, two and a half for the rack. Yeah, the access portable has IP as standard, pots and IP, and then you can add 3G to it. And is there an ISDN module? Yeah, there's no ISDN on access. But if you go to the Matrix, uh, which is actually a slightly bigger portable unit without sidecar options, it's all kind of built in, that uh, that does have an option for ISDN. So we've got IP... Pots, GSM, and then ISDN on a separate uh, box ISDN called the Matrix. ISDN is available on the Matrix, um, the Comrex Matrix portable and rack, but not on the Access. Because, again, the vast majority of these things are used for commentaries. And ha- how much is the sidecar mixer that uh, slides onto that portable unit? Yeah, the Matrix, which is a little more expensive... The portable unit there, I mean, this is a price I gave a hospital station, so it's, you know, roughly right for the context of this discussion, 3900 plus VAT. Um, and the GSM module is another 800 Okay. And the rack mount unit is 3000 So that's the, the matrix, which is the more expensive option. And so the matrix allows is ISDN straight away, and then you can have an extra GSM card. Quite. And they don't offer any other, they don't offer an IP or a POTS card for the matrix. Uh, Yeah, matrix certainly does POTS. Okay. um, Because we've got a few of those out in Ireland. But obviously if you're not interested in the the ISDN, then the access is coming out a little bit cheaper. Exactly. Okay. But yes, the access is the uh, the cheaper option. Okay. And to be honest, it's the more appropriate option for hospital radio in the vast majority of cases. Um, I, other than for inter-site links, I don't think I've ever seen a hospital radio station with an audio ISDN circuit. So. No. Uh, uh, and the the unit back at the rack, so say you've got an access portable out and about with the GSM module in it, mm-hmm. w- do you, you, you then have to have a GSM module in the no. rack? No, it routes it back on on the phone line. Okay, right. So you you just stick a phone line into the back of the rack mounted exactly. access unit, and then then that's that's and you used. Can ring it. 
Okay, fine. Uh, and and then obviously for the IP, it just runs a network cable in in the back. Exactly. And, and it's but of all course, there. in all of these things that we're considering, we also need to consider some of the peculiarities that hospital radio come up against, like the fact that their Ethernet stroke internet connection may be via the NHS, in which case there are potentially a lot of hurdles to overcome to be able to get two-way communication uh, between your two uh, codecs. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, the only practical answer is to have your own broadband connection, and that in turn tends to cause issues because there are certain sites where BT won't install them because it's not your site, etc., etc. We've come up against all these problems. Having said that, I know we, we've got a, a customer up north who has a, a simulated POTS line, if you like, provided from the hospital switchboard and uses uh, actually quite an old Comrex codec over that with no problems at all. Okay. We, we had to have a bit of technical banging of heads together when they set it up, um, but it works fine. And I've also, on a recent uh, inquiry from a customer in another hospital, they've got a, a site with a very large Philips switchboard. Um, and the worry with all of these things, because of the way codecs work, is that if you take away the rawness of a phone line, in other words, its direct nature, you switch it through a switchboard, which may in turn create an artificial analog line, which is actually in the digital environment, that you're going to lose the transparency that the codec needs. Um, but in this particular case, um, the Comrex guy said, now that should be fine. The only thing that uh, the Comrex engineers have highlighted with using any form of codec through a switchboard is that when switchboards emulate phone lines, they're not always the same voltages and consistency as an actual phone line from the from the um, network, right? And it can cause damage to the uh, codecs themselves. Okay. Having said that, exactly the same rule would apply to a TBU. So, if you're a station at the moment where you happily use TBUs on phone extensions provided via the hospital switchboard, and you've not had TBU failures then it's unlikely that you'll have a problem with codecs. You should be okay. You should be okay in. in that regard. But, of course, that doesn't mean that because the codec isn't just processing audio or it isn't transparent to the audio, you know, it's enhancing it and using digital uh, techniques to improve the quality, that it, it does need that degree of transparency of phone line and it's possible that they just wouldn't see each other, wouldn't work. Mm. Okay. Any other solutions that you've come across? Well, yeah, there's a, a couple of in-between type solutions um, where you can... I mean, there, there are digital telephone hybrids, of course, um, not necessarily particularly relevant to OBs, but general point-to-point links. Sonifex have got the DHY range, the DHY03, where they use some technology to improve over just the, the sheer matching of the phone line to the audio equipment. Um, and then from a mobile point of view, from a GSM point of view, there's quite a nifty box that we do from Glen Sound, um, which is a, what they call a broadcaster's mobile phone. Um, it's a typical Glen Sound product, 
built like a tank, um, very high quality, and effectively what you do, you put a 3G SIM card in, um, it doesn't look much like a phone, although it is, you know, quite a small unit uh, with a numeric keypad on the front, but it's got um, XLR audios in and out. Um, so what it means is you could have a submixer or you could just have a microphone plugged into it and a pair of cans, and um, you can do two-way with the flexibility of using the public 3G network. And because they use digital signal processing, they claim 100% separation between send and receive. Okay, fantastic. And they also claim no GSM noise on the audio as well. Right. And is that battery-powered? It is. Or it could be mains as well? Um, I believe it's got a DC input, yeah. Okay, fantastic. So you could take that along to your football ground and use that either just as it is or plug it into the mains if you've got power. Yeah. Is that it? Well, then, of course, you you come into the um, the inventive end of the market, i.e., trying to do it for free. Yes, <laughs> which is what we all like, um, even those of us trying to make a business out of this. Um, and we've got technology available to us that um, means that we can achieve an acceptable level of quality using conventional equipment and at a service rate that is zero. Mm. In other words, voice over IP. Not just in hospital radio, but in commercial broadcasting, I know of a number of stations who use Skype for OBs. Yes. Um, Because for what they're trying to achieve, um, you know, quick interviews from a a showground or, uh, you know, something from an outside event, it's perfectly acceptable Mm. because it's predominantly speech. You're certainly not going to play music over it. You do that from the studio. So why not? And yep. a lot of people do that. Yeah, it's something that we've been doing at uh, Chelmsford, certainly, mm-hmm. and we're going to include a few examples in this podcast of, of the quality that we've been able to get from there, which we've been happy with. So, yep. Like all IP-type systems, you do have a question mark over reliability because, of course, if you are using a broadband circuit, the, the speed and the capacity will go up and down and it will depend on the time of day um, and who's around you because it's a contended system. Um, so, you know, if you're using a broadband connection in an area which is full of businesses and you're doing a broadcast at uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, it's perfectly possible that you will get a very low-speed connection. Whereas if you were there that evening at 10 o'clock, it's very possible you get a very high-speed connection, mm. and vice versa if you were doing it from a, a predominantly residential area. And if it's certainly if it's going to be a critical broadcast or a very important broadcast, so for example you're doing something as a tie-up with a, with a sponsor or a supporter, you would be well advised to do some trials before you just assume it's going to happen. Yes. Um, you certainly can't just say, um, oh, they tell us they've got an internet connection there, so we'll be fine. Yeah. You need to go along, do some tests, make sure it's okay. Um, make sure there aren't things like firewalls that are going to block the ports you need and all that kind of thing, or that um, the Skype service has been blocked specifically because you know the, the company in question don't want people using it, all these kinds of things. Um, and uh, indeed, the same applies with uh, POTS connections going back to um, the, the sort of Comrex codex. I know I, I've encountered situations where I've 
been engineering OBs myself, and you find that you go to do a trial and it doesn't work, and then you discover that the phone line they've told you you can use is actually the alarm line, and it's got red care on it. Mm. And, of course, that, that's not going to work. Or it's, it's actually their broadband line. Uh, you know, there's microfilter or there's not a microfilter. In the end, your codec is really going to struggle. It's not going to work. And uh, it becomes surprisingly difficult in a lot of premises to actually find a raw, unused phone line. Yes, because in a business, in they're invariably, yeah, exactly. Um, invariably, they're fed through a switchboard. There are a lot of considerations when you're doing OBs, but I'm sure that's not a surprise to the vast majority of people listening to this. But it's something that can be easily overlooked. The other thing is, of course, um, using 3G wireless. Mm-hmm. Um, again, with a with a 3G dongle, plug it into a USB socket on your PC, your laptop, run up Skype on that. It's all very simple. I know um, that, uh, I know, well, I won't name them, obviously, but I know of a commercial broadcaster who, when doing travel reports, relies on the free broadband at a McDonald's. They just find the nearest McDonald's, go and do their live broadcast from there in the car park. Okay. Well, you know, it's budget, budgetary times. Yeah. You have to be inventive. Exactly. And the technologies out there that allows you to be inventive. And do you know of any other systems that are used that aren't Skype itself? Well, you've got various options because, of course, so many applications these days, messaging applications, remote support applications, allow um, voice over IP. So um, Windows Messenger, for example. Uh, Is there anything else? I don't think so. It's... um, it's one of those things where a lot of hospital stations that I talk to, um, in most cases, are inquiring about this kind of thing because they have admirable intentions of both going out and raising the profile of their own station, but also going out and making new, more interesting content for the patients. Mm. Um, the problem, as you will have gathered from everything we've discussed in the last uh, few minutes is that to do it reliably and to do it to a reasonably high technical quality is a pretty expensive business. Yes. Um, And so a lot of people decide not to bother. Now, hopefully, if you've got some people on board in the team who, um, you know, have a little bit of IT wherewithal, um, and you're prepared to invest some time in trialing out these things, um, you know, you've still, in the end, got to consider some of the the same fundamental audio principles, whichever way you do it. You know, you've got to consider uh, clean feeds, for example. Mm. doesn't matter how you do it. You know, if you think about what we've just talked about, if we've already got a computer in the studio... Um, you know, let's forget the playout machine, which is already hooked up to the desk. Let's say we've got a separate machine. It's currently used for audition or yeah, w- whatever it is. And it may be hooked up, um, may only be using the domestic sound card. That's fine in the context of what we're talking about. But it's hooked up to a channel on the desk. It's going to be hooked up to a normal stereo channel. Yes. And it's only going to be hooked up for playback. So what you're going to need to do is you're going to need to squirt some audio out of the desk back into it to send your feedback down the other way. Yep. 
um, which again is no great um, technical problem. Uh, but you've got to consider the clean feed. Yes. Um, and C- certainly, what uh, what we did is in true bodging style. <laughs> is uh, we pulled out the feed that was going into our TBU. Yep. And used a headphone splitter mm-hmm. to split that signal. Yeah. One off to the PC, one off to the TBU. Yeah. Uh, now. You're only going to be able to do that if you don't want to use the IP plus the TBU at the same time. Quite. But uh, that's what we did yeah. in terms of a quick and uh, dirty way of making sure that we had clean feed. Yeah, exactly. Now, independent on your mixer, uh, you know, if you've got a modular mixer like um, Sonifex S2 mm. or a, an Air 2000 or something like that, um, well, in fact, the Air 2000, if you've got the 2007 module, is particularly flexible because it, it generates loads of different um, or allows you to use, what, seven or eight different outside sources with independent clean feeds. Mm. Um, but the point being, you can add a module to a modular mixer to give you an extra channel that will allow you clean feeds. If, however, you don't have that luxury, but you do have a spare input or an input that the computer's already using, you can, of course, get a box to generate an external clean feed. Um, again, Sonifex do a red box that does that um, for, you know, whatever it is, a couple hundred, 300 quid. Mm. Um, you know, it's approximately the same cost as putting a channel in your mixer. Yes. So, it all, again, it all depends on how often it's used and how much money you can justify spending on the exercise. Yes. Clearly, your method works. And, and I suspect to begin with, it was all in an effort to experiment and see how how useful it was. So you don't want to spend a lot of money when you're experimenting. No, so. it, exactly. I, I think what you're saying is is very true in terms of, you know, you, you start out with good intentions and maybe it's worth trialing something cheap stroke free mm. and just see whether or not you the, the actual desire when it comes to the poster on the wall sign your names if you want to do this. Well, that's the point, isn't it? Because um, in my time in hospital radio, one of the biggest challenges for OBs was not my bit of it, Mm. but getting a signal from the middle of a field in North Devon back to a hospital. Um, The challenge was in finding enough people to man the unit for a day. The same old challenge that we face in all aspects of hospital radio. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, how how distressing would it be to to buy six or seven thousand pounds worth of OB kit um, and commit to doing a weekly broadcast from a football ground or wherever, and then find that after a month and the novelty's worn off, that actually there's no one available this week to go and set it up and do the commentary or whatever. Yeah. It's it's a reasonable commitment, and equally um, to take take your point you start off and you experiment and you think actually this is quite useful that tends to fire people's imagination mm. and they come up with other things that they could do um and then perhaps it's time to consider yeah these are all good ideas and actually some of them might actually raise funds for you as well yes um so perhaps we should look at doing it on a more professional level and you can find out more about uh, nick beer and west country broadcast uh, via checking out the website, we've stick, stuck a link into this show 
the notes for the show. So that's Nick Beer from West Country Broadcast. Now we move on to Jeff Brown from the BBC World Service, also volunteers at Radio Hillingdon as well. They've been trialling ways to broadcast from remote locations. I asked him about the system that he's been using. We have something that's called Lucy Live. That's L-U-C-I Live. There are different versions of it. The one we're using is, um, I think it's called Lucy Live 2, and it's basically software on a stick. It's on a USB stick. Uh, and the great thing about that is you can go into an internet cafe, you can go um, uh, on, a, on a wireless network anywhere with your own laptop, or you can use somebody else's PC. You just plug the sticking uh, and you run it off of the stick itself. You don't actually run it off the PC. Uh, so you navigate through to the Lucy Live software that's on the USB stick. Um, click connect, click microphone, uh, and as long as you put the right IP address settings in prior to going uh, wanting to use it, then um, you get a, a, a very good quality, uh, broadcast quality, speech quality across the internet. Okay, so is it just mono or do, is it capable of doing stereo? To be honest, I'm not sure. In in my capacity as a studio manager at the BBC, we're using it for speech. So obviously mono is is fine for us. If you're going to start using stereo, and if it does do stereo, then obviously you're you're doubling up on bandwidth, uh, and the most important thing for us is speech. So, um, so I've not really looked at whether it does stereo. I think it actually does, and it's it's bidirectional. Yeah, and does it have any other facilities on it? Does it um, enable you to? send commands or well any text um, or? It, it is quite basic for the cost as i said it's um 360 pounds for that you don't get a lot by comparison with other units you do get a lot for your money because um I, i've used it i was in a hotel room in senegal just before last christmas and i had a, a samsung netbook nothing special you know with one gig of uh, ram and um ordinary headphones uh a Bayer microphone, plugged it in, dialed into uh, one of the units uh, at the BBC, and we were talking just as we're talking um, now into a studio. So, so from that point of view, the great thing is, once you've made that cost, the capital outlay of of Lucy Live, um, you're not paying. Um, f- in in our case, we're paying nearly five dollars per minute for satellite airtime if we were to use a satellite phone. Um, so we do recoup the costs on that way. So I say you're not getting a lot for your money. You're getting software on a stick, um, and it is, it's a very good piece of software. Does it have like a phone book so you could store a couple of different yeah, places uh, in? Yeah, if, um, if you've got maybe four or five different – well, you can have as many as you want, to be honest. You just put all the IP addresses in um, prior to wanting to use them. It's fairly simple. It's on the same – uh, held on the same stick, you just point on a, onto a different part of the software and then you load in uh, all your settings. Um, the other thing it does do, you can um, line up a clip so you can do a donut. You can say um, they can come to you from the studio and you can say, well, I was talking to so-and-so, so-and-so, and he said, and then you hit the play button and it will automatically mute your microphone. Uh, you see a countdown timer. It plays out the clip that you've um, stored, uh, and when that clip's finished, it opens, automatically opens your microphone again so you can pick up off the back of it. So it's quite good in that respect. You can't, uh, you can't at the moment put a big playlist in and just play stuff in 
uh, continuously. Okay, so it's just one audio file. Just one audio file. Okay, and does it give you any um, visuals as to the quality of the line, as to whether you think it's dodgy or well, you hear fail? it. You, okay. you, you hear it basically um, with with the satellite phone. You may 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 have heard it on the radio where. Uh, you start hearing glitches and things. You 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 would hear exactly the same. There there are bar graph meters on there. You can monitor your output. You can monitor what's coming back to you. Uh, in fact, as soon as you hit connect, um, if the line is live and there's some sort of audio or tone coming down, you'll see that appearing on the bar graph. Um, so I was very impressed with it. I must admit, I've I've looked at um, software for the internet before this uses a very specific piece of coding uh, an algorithm called the brick yeah it's it's a good codec it's a proprietary codec i'm not sure who owns it but it is actually it's 10 times 20 30 times better than the codecs they use on skype but there again you're not paying for skype so you can't really complain about the quality of service that you get from it when it starts breaking up what you need at the the receiving end the studio end is a fixed ip address to start off with. And how did you interface the microphone to the laptop? Bog standard 3.5mm connection, uh, as you would do on an ordinary microphone. Same headphones. You could even use a, a USB headset. If um, We've got a couple that are made by Microsoft. They're about £40 each. Um, and, and they're just as good. The, the, the audio is just as good. Okay. Brilliant. And so that's Lucy Live. Do you know the website at all? Or um, just Google it? You can if you Google it, but I know that Vortex are the UK distributors for it, and they'd be happy to. Um, oh, what I should say is that you can actually get a demo version of it, um, which has um, a bleep every ten seconds. So you can't actually use it for going on air, uh, but you can if you want to have a go of it. Um, speak to Vortex; they'll give you the demo software uh, download site. Um, and if you like it, and if you want to buy it, then um, three hundred and sixty odd pounds gets you uh, the unlock key, and and that's it. Then no more payment and good quality audio between you and the studio. Brilliant. So that's Lucy Live working with the the Comrex access boxes. Yeah. And now some uh, examples of Lucy Live. Thanks very much to Jeff there for explaining uh, the system. So some examples from Lucy Live to the Comrex access codec. Is he going to approach this job in a different way from that which he, he, he took last time when he had, you know, some time to prepare? Well, I think South Africa have elected on a process, which is a Brazilian process which started obviously with Pajera some time ago. Uh, and I'd be hoping that his value would be beyond um, the World Cup next year. And Pajera, I know that when he, when he took over and when he had a look, he was uh, absolutely shocked at the lack of youth development work taking place in, in South Africa. Um, so you would have hoped that long-term steps have been taken to remedy that problem. Um, uh, Brazilian football tends to be very strong on physical fitness, physical development, and Pajera has taken some of his, his, his people over there who've stayed during the reign of, of Joel Santana. So uh, I would hope that beyond the results in the 2010 World Cup, a long-term legacy has been left, where in the future, perhaps local coaches can, can take over uh, with the South African football at a higher level. These thoughts on the texts on 447786202008. Godwin in Calabar in Nigeria says coaches don't win matches without good players. And in courts today, what happened? What reasons were given for acquitting her? 
The magistrate simply said that the prosecution hadn't persuaded him that there was anything obscene about these photographs. He said he agreed with the prosecution witnesses who'd said they were humiliated and shocked by these photographs. It came up time and time again in the trial that uh, this is a cultural taboo that's been broken. Men are simply not allowed to see a woman giving birth. Um, but he said that in itself wasn't a crime. So obviously a victory for Chansa Cabuela. What did she say afterwards? She said that it was a victory for the woman in the photograph, uh, that she was extremely relieved. It's been a very difficult few months for her. So two examples there of using Lucy Live as a sort of two-way, one from the studio and then a reporter reporting in from the scene from uh, various locations around the world and not particularly um, technically advanced locations. Zambia and places like that. So uh, that's how they've achieved superb quality. I'm sure you'll agree. And you can find out more about Lucy Live from Vortex. The website is www.vtx.co.uk. I had a little chat with uh, Ian at Vortex, and the price for the USB stick is £365, excluding VAT. We can buy it on a machine base level for £350. It's also available as a mini SD as well. The Comrex Axis, the, the hardware itself, the portable unit, is a seven-hour battery life on that for around £3,000. And the hardware codec to sit back in your studio, £2,600. Uh, there is some deals to be done that can uh, often be bought in by about £5,000, which is the normal lottery grant fund as well. Also, he did mention to me on the phone the BrickLink AAC, which is uh, much cheaper, and also the Arc, which is operates on the Android platform, uses G722. Also mentioned that League of Friends may want to get involved, also the local flower shop. And also, what was very interesting is he does tend to... Um, when, when they get hold of inquiries for hiring units, he does tend to send people hospital radio-wise. So it may be that if you do purchase it, you could always hire out the unit to other people to recover some of the costs there as well. So um, well worth checking out. Also, he did mention a Lucy Pack, which is Lucy Live with the AAC, and also Lucy Edit, which is an inbuilt editor which enables you to FTP, so file off, uh, any recordings, and he offers that for £595. But more details from Vortex, you can find out all the details on the website. Do tell them that you heard it here on the On Air podcast, and uh, they do a deal for hospital radio members, which is basically the same cost that they do it for the BBC. In my conversations with Ian from Vortex, it is possible to do a Lucy Live to Lucy Live. So you could get the whole system there for under £800. You do not need the hardware codec back in the studios if you don't want to. There are added benefits with having the hardware codec. um, But if you do want to do it slightly cheaper, you can do Lucy Live to Lucy Live. And finally, my final contribution for today's podcast is from Tony Wilding. Tony, for his work at a community station, is using LogMeIn to remotely access his systems and using Skype plus a Shoutcast internet radio stream as well. So uh, very interesting from his side of things and uh, getting a bit cheaper too. I started off by asking him to explain what LogMeIn was. LogMeIn is pretty simple. You just set up an account at the site. Uh, download that little piece of software to both the client and the server. 
and you can log in wherever you, from wherever you are. And you use that to control your playout system, do you? We use login, just, yes, that's right, yeah. Sorry, yes, I'm with you. We, have, we use login to control the playout. So we've got a dedicated PC to allow this. Because this isn't at rugby, this is at another station, which I've asked to remain nameless. Okay. You might, you might have, read, if you've seen, read my article, you'll know it is at the bottom anyway. And, and whereabouts is that article, so we can uh, link to it? That's um, tonywilding.tumblr.com. Cool. Use LogMeIn to remotely access your playout system from yep. wherever you are. And, and you're, yes. how, how are you getting the audio back to the studio? We're just using Skype at the moment, but we, we have also managed to send a shoutcast, shoutcast stream at the same time across the VPN. Okay, and so you're using the shoutcast as a different way from Skype? Yeah. Yes, the original plan was because we need contributions from around the UK because there's only six of us running this internet station so we need lots of other help and we were using a shoutcast stream and letting people stream exactly what they wanted into the, the studio and then we re-restreamed re, re, re it. Oh, okay, yeah. You can imagine the format was terrible. <laughs> so we've got, uh, because we've got Myriad, we thought, well, let them see the playlist and format the, format the output and then control it from Log Me In. And that's where this VPN connections come from and, you, and then voiceovers via Skype. Okay, so you're, um, because... I know at chance that we use log me in to kind of restart the automation if it goes up the Swanee or whatever. But yep. you're, uh, and we just do that over the, the public sort of internet. But yeah, you use a, a VPN solution, do you? For another station, I am setting up a VPN solution, yes. Okay. And can you explain to those listening what the benefits of the VPN are over normal? Um, you've got more control. There's nobody monitoring your, your stream or what you're doing. Okay. So it's just more, just more secure? It's more secure, yes. It's certainly more secure. There's nobody, there's nobody service provider saying, well, you're using it as a commercial venture. We don't like it. You're not using the service anymore. And so and VPN stands for Virtual Private Network, yes? That's right, yeah. Okay, so so in essence, it kind of um, you're you're almost simulating being at the studio complex by yeah. sort of logging into the VPN. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that one you haven't tried out yet, but there's no reason why it shouldn't work. I've I've tried it locally uh, between three PCs at home. It all works nicely. Can stop and play out your whichever system you're using. Which uh, for home use, I've been using Mailis. And so yeah. you were putting music and speech down the shoutcast, were you? That's it, yeah, the whole programme. And then this, that relied on either somebody being at the studio end uh, to pick up the stream, or then we turned to um, Zara Radio, the playout system, which would actually listen to the stream for you. And if it found a stream, it would then relay it onto the main output. Or if there was no stream and there was nothing on the main output, it would play something locally okay. from the play, which was quite cool. Mm. 
Zara Radio. Okay, yeah, that's that's good. Um, and so obviously the the downside with that was delay, was it? And delay, never, never yeah, quite knowing when you were going to be on air, kind of thing. Um, Taking well, over from one person's show to the next. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we tried to arrange it that there was no two remote contributions next to one another, so that you could go back to the studio uh, from the scheduler built into Zara Radio or Myriad. So we had like a two-hour slot, and then we'd go back to the studio for an hour before anybody else was allowed to uh, do a remote program. Otherwise, it meant kicking people on and off the shoutcast streamer. Okay, but it's it's one uh, one way of doing it if you were wanting to do the whole the whole show remotely with music and the speech to set up a, a little separate shoutcast stream. That's right, yeah. Okay, excellent. So that's one other method that we haven't spoken about in the interviews that I've done so far. Um, and so just briefly on TeamViewer, because Nick did want me to ask you about it. Mm-hmm. The, you were using TeamViewer to do audio uh, as yeah. well as some other things, yeah? Yeah, TeamViewer actually um, has a, its own uh, VOIP client built in. So you can be controlling the uh, studio play out and then when you want to do your t- talk over it's just got transmit my speech now and you click the button talk away okay but the caveat is that after a while they figure out that you're using it for a commercial it use too many times yeah and then they then try and say look it's time to pay us some money that's right that that, that was the downfall that you saw from team viewer yeah and it's pretty expensive yeah Okay. (laughs) And thank you to Tony from Rugby Hospital Radio and his work in community radio as well for spending some time. Hope you found those three interviews uh, useful and uh, food for thought. I'm going to add in some of my own food for thought from uh, some of the stuff that we've been doing at Hospital Radio Chelmsford, which is my station that I volunteer at. We've been using Skype. We purchased a three mobile MiFi unit, which creates a Wi-Fi hot zone, hot spot for up to five devices. Costs us £69.99. That included three gigabytes of data allowance, which you have three months to use. And then you can top it up with a a gigabyte at a time's worth of data allowance, which you have to use within 30 days. And uh, so that MiFi unit costs us £69.99 for, with three gigabytes of data. And the three gigabytes of data, in fact, is loads if you're using Skype. We use Skype for the election that we did, which was five hours worth of constant Skype usage. Uh, although we weren't talking down it all the time, they were basically co-presenting the show from one of the election counts. And it only used 200 megabytes of data for five hours that the Skype connection was up. So um, it's uh, it's great in terms of not using much data up. And uh, so I've actually got a clip from our election programme. Alan Chambers is in the studio. He starts off talking and then passes over to Steve, who's using the Skype connection. And uh, tell me, Steve, uh, we were just talking about Simon Burns there. It, was, it could potentially be a very exciting uh, night uh, at the Riverside. Um, tell me, uh, what's it like down there right at the moment? Well, it- Well, at the moment, not many of the candidates are here, but the interesting thing about the Chelsea seat is it's traditionally been a Conservative, I think, since 1950. The closest the Tories ever came to losing was 1983 with Norman St. John Stevens, when Stuart Mole, the then Liberal candidate in the Alliance, I will add, 
lost by 750 votes. But after that, Simon Burns took over the seat and increased his majority to around 8,000. Now, of course, with the boundary changes, and this is a big if, a 4% swing from Labour and Conservative voters would unseat Burns tonight. But interestingly, what uh, the interesting thing that Will just came out with, that may not be enough now to keep the seat. It may still stay in Burns' hands, I would think, by instinct, but you never know, we could have an upset here. So, uh, is it, you say the, the, um, the candidates themselves aren't there, but uh, is there an excitement building, do you think? There is at the moment. I mean, obviously, at the moment, the polls have just literally closed. So that we have we have the various little scatterings here of English Democrat boxes and Conservative boxes. Uh, but there's mingling around for other members of the media, but there's very little to actually go on at the moment. I have put the feelers out and spoken to one or two party reps and asked whether the turnout is high. I don't know, have we got any, any feedback on the studio? How much the turnout's been today? Not yet. Not, not yet, Steve. Um, I imagine it will be... Um, not- on exit polls? No. Not, not as yet. We've got the exit poll, which does, okay. does suggest the, poll, con- yeah. the Conservatives have and got the largest uh, largest party at the moment. But uh, and how, how many seats? How many seats have the Tories got on the majority? If that exit poll is correct, uh, it's three hundred and seven. Three hundred and seven Conservative, two five five for Labour, fifty nine for the Liberal Democrats, twenty nine for the others. So the Conservatives short of an overall majority by nineteen at this point. So we could have a long, long night. And as Will suggested, of course, the Lib Dems could play Kingmaker yet. We'll have to see what happens there. So that's it for podcast number 39. Next month's going to be number 40 for July, and it's going to be the fifth one, I believe, out of our series of six. If you'd like to suggest what we talk about on that podcast, then please do get in touch. You can contact the show by email, onairpodcast at gmail.com. You can Skype me, leave a message at mattwade01, M-A-T-T-W-A-D-E-0-1 is my Skype handle. Also via Audioboo at audioboo.fm, create an account, go to your booze and record one in the browser, tag it with the word on-air podcast, all one word, and then it'll automatically get downloaded for me. Do check out audioboo.fm anyway, because it's fantastic. You can leave a comment at the end of this post on the website, onairpodcast.co.uk. You can also leave a message on the Facebook page at facebook.com slash onairpodcast. The contents of this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of the Hospital Broadcasting Association. And with that, I bid you farewell until next month. Take care. Hope you've enjoyed the show. You've been listening to the On Air Podcast. Check out the show notes and any scripts needed by visiting the website at onairpodcast.co.uk. You can email the show with comments, audio, or items for the next edition via onairpodcast at gmail.com. The show's imaging is supplied by DivaWeb, online at divaweb.co.uk.